Let's pray as we look at this passage. Father, we thank you for your word to us. Help us this morning or this afternoon or this evening to understand what is teaching us. May your spirit guide my words and may it open all of our hearts to hear what you are saying and to apply it to our lives that we may live as Christians amongst other Christians in a community that reflects your love and your light. Amen. One of the big debates um, in the news this week is whether you should snitch on your neighbour, whether you should phone the police if your neighbour is breaking the new rule of six, the rule introduced to try and stop the spread of of COVID-19, the coronavirus. And some government ministers have said that you you should phone the police, others have said maybe you shouldn't. Um, And it's not an easy question to answer, and some of them haven't been quite so sure how that should be answered. And yet it's not too different an issue to the one that Jesus is tackling in this passage. He's not talking about breaking um, new rules or regulations coming in, but he's talking about when people sin, when they're caught up in a behaviour either um, a one-off behaviour or an ongoing behaviour which is in danger of leading leading them away from their faith in Christ. He says in verse 15, if your brother or sister sins, or possibly in some versions, if your brother or sister sins against you, go and point out their fault. In other words, if if someone's caught in sin, if someone's doing things wrong, uh, possibly if they're doing things wrong against you, then... This is how you should deal with it. Now, we shouldn't be too worried about whether it's only they sin against us or whether it's a more general sin. I'm going to take it as a more general sin, um, but one that is a serious one, as we'll talk about. Um, but if you think about the rule of six, is that a sin against us, against me, if my neighbour meets in more, more than six? Well, in a way, it's not. They're just breaking the rules. It's nothing to do with me. But in another way, it is against me because... Actually, they may be spreading the virus and I might catch it as a result. So it's not always a straightforward, it's one or the other. And we don't have to worry too much about the different versions that we have. But the key issue is this, how should we respond to sin in others? How should we act upon that? And Jesus wants to give us some real wisdom in this passage. And before we look at a step-by-step approach about how we should tackle it, I think we need to draw out from the passage three key principles. Uh, And the first principle is this, and it's a principle of Christian profit. Do you notice um, in verse 15, he says, if your brother or sister listen to you, you have won them over. The Greek word there is is the word to profit. Uh, And actually, if you're running a business... What you're after is to make a profit, isn't it? If, you're, if, you're, if you've got a business going, you want to make money, probably as much money as you can, but certainly enough money to pay the bills. But as a church, as a community of followers of Christ, we're not here to make money. Yes, we need money to pay our bills and pay our way as a church, but the bottom line isn't the financial line. The bottom line is actually to win people for Christ, to save souls for salvation. So right back at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, Jesus calls these fishermen, these businessmen that made money from catching fish, and says, you're no longer going to catch fish, 
but you're going to catch men. Not so you can sell them and make a profit, but so you can save their souls for eternity. And Paul, in his writing in Corinthians, says this about his mission, about his proclaiming the good news of Jesus to as many as possible. He says, though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Why? To win as many as possible. He wants to save souls for salvation. And Peter tells wives in 1 Peter, um, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands. Why? So that if if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. What we need to be about as Christians is winning souls for salvation. And, and that's what, really what Jesus is about here in this passage. He wants us to win souls for salvation. But he's not talking about people becoming Christians, but about helping those that are Christians to remain in the faith and not to lose their salvation. So if you were listening last week, you might remember that Jesus talked about um, the lost sheep, that parable. And he says that just as a shepherd will go searching for the sheep that is lost and in danger, so God goes searching for those little ones, those disciples, those followers of Jesus um, that seem to be wandering off from the faith to bring them back to salvation, to bring them back to faith. And the implication is that we should want to do the same. And that needs to be about behind what we're about when we're tackling people about sin in their lives. When we're tackling a fellow brother Christian, Christian or brother, sister Christian about a problem in their lives that's leading them away from God, we should have a desire and a concern to win them back for God, to bring them out of the danger that the sin is leading them into, to save their souls for eternity. This is not about dealing with your own personal issues. It's not about dealing with someone because they've upset you. It's not about trying to show that you're better than someone else by pointing out their wrongs. No, this is about helping people, giving them a hand out of sin, back into life with God. The second principle is this, that it needs to be secret service. Jesus says um, in verse 6, Verse 15, you need to go to someone one-to-one. You need to do this privately. Why is that? Well, because that's the gentle way to go. Paul says in Galatians, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore them gently. And we're doing it out of love, aren't we? And if you love someone, you don't want to um, show up their sin to others. You don't want to make everyone else aware of how bad or how wicked they are. That's not loving them. No, as Peter says in 1 Peter 1, 4, verse 8, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. We're called to secret service. If we see someone caught in a sin, we need to approach them privately, one-to-one, to deal with that sin. And yet the third principle is, in a way, in tension with that second principle. They're not in conflict, but they are in tension. And the third principle is this, that Christian authority comes in community. So that as you approach someone else about their sin, you must not do it as though you're the one who knows everything, that your view, your point of view, your attitude is the most authoritative one. 
You are not always right. I am not always right. When we point out people's sins, we need to do it with the authority of the wider community. That will stop us um, rushing in with some, telling someone their sin is wrong just because it's something we think is wrong. Or maybe it's wrong for us, but not wrong for them. So maybe it's quite right that you don't drink alcohol. Maybe there'll be family reasons why you don't do that. There may be reasons from your personal point of view or your background why you don't want to drink. But that doesn't mean that your neighbour shouldn't drink. Maybe it's fine for them to drink a little bit, as long as they're not getting drunk regularly. No, it's authority and community that matters. And that includes authority from the Bible. You see, we need to remember here that there is a sense in which Jesus is talking directly to those who will become the apostles, those who had heard Jesus' word firsthand and were commissioned to go and teach it and preach it to the church. Jesus is saying to them, where two or three of you agree, it will be bound in heaven. And out of their agreed teaching, out of their agreed understanding of what it meant to follow Jesus and live the Christian life, guided by the Spirit, remembering what Jesus had taught them, we have the New Testament. We have the Bible. And so actually there's an authority, first and foremost, from the Bible, from God's Word. It's almost like we've got the apostles with us and their community of authority teaching us how we should live as Christians. But then it's not just about my weird interpretation of the Bible. I can't just go off and interpret it in any weird way I like. We need to interpret it in community with other Christians, checking against what others have said and understood and what others say and understand before we make our own decisions what it means for issues of today. Christian authority is in community where two or three are gathered, Jesus says. I am with you. And whatever you decide together will be bound in heaven. It's not just about your individual point of view. Well, with those three principles in mind, um, the principle that we are doing about gaining people for Christ, it is about um, Christian prophets, the principle of secret service, we must approach people privately as much as possible, but also the principle that we, we don't do it as individuals, we do it with the, the backing of the community behind us. Those last two intention, but Jesus draws out attention in a practical way in the steps we should take. And so I want to give you a 10-step approach. Um, the first five steps are really um, helping us to decide whether this is an appropriate process that Jesus puts here in Matthew 18 for us to use. Uh, and the next five steps are just drawing out what he's saying in his passage. Uh, we're going to try and go through this fairly quickly. I've only got nine or ten minutes to, to do it in, so that's, it's about one minute per step. So let's move quickly. Uh, the first step is this. Um, if you see your brother sinning, the first question to ask, is this actually a sin? I, I've talked about this a bit already. You know, you may think it's a sin for you, but is it a sin for them? Um, are you being legalistic, like the Pharisees were being legalistic and putting lots of rules in place that weren't actually God's rules? Jesus criticised them for that. Don't just criticise someone because you think that what they're doing is wrong. Check that it is wrong first, that it is a sin. Will the church eventually agree with you? Is it in the Bible? Can you find that? Check that out first. Secondly, is it actually damaging them? Is this a sin that is leading them away from their faith? 
we all sin, we all do things wrong, and probably most of us can point to things we do wrong every day. Most of those aren't obvious, but um, sometimes they are. If we were a church where we kept going around and criticising one another for the sins that were going on, it'd be a very dire and horrible place, a community to be in. Now, Paul here, sorry, Jesus here is talking about serious sins, isn't he? The context was the sheep that had wandered off and was in danger of being lost forever. Jesus talks about winning your brother, bringing them out for salvation. This is a sin that's in danger of taking them away from Christ, taking them away from faith, taking them away from salvation. If it's not a damaging sin, then love covers over a multitude of sins. Just, just leave it be. Don't worry about it. But this is, if this is something serious, then maybe God wants to use you to save your brother or sister by approaching him and dealing with it. Thirdly, is it dangerous to others? I don't think Jesus here is talking about sins which are obviously about the person harming other people. Jesus is concerned here that we save and win our brother or sister back for salvation, isn't he? Um, but if this is an issue that's not really so much about the salvation of that person, but it's got a wider implication about the, the safety and the well-being of the wider com Christian community or the wider or other individuals in the community, then, then something needs to be done about it. So actually, if your neighbour is having a massive wild party with lots of people around that's completely wrecking the idea of a rule of six and will be spreading the virus, then yes, maybe you should phone the police about it and not worry about following this sort of procedure. Um, or even worse, is someone, do you, do you realise that someone is involved in child abuse? That's not the sort of thing Paul's talk, Jesus is talking about here. If that's the issue, if this person is a danger to others, then you need to report it appropriately to those who deal with child safeguarding issues. And there's other, other things in the same sort of vein. Is it dangerous to others? We need to check that out. Fourthly, am I the person to do this? Now, Jesus here is talking about approaching a brother or sister in Christ. He warns us in Matthew 7 that um, if you throw your pearls before pigs, um, or um, they, they may well trample upon them. And if the person that's doing this sin isn't a Christian, then, then really this doesn't apply to the situation to, to you. Um, this is about helping a Christian, not helping a non-Christian out of sin. And even if they are, even if they pretend to be a Christian, but they're, they're aggressive and they're bullying and they're not going to listen to you, they're just going to respond angrily about it, then, then again, maybe you're not the person to deal with this. Now, if, if your neighbour's having a massive world party and breaking the rule of six, um, and you know they're a bully and will bash you up, then don't, don't go around and knock on the door and say, really, you shouldn't be doing this, because they might just bash, hit you on the head and knock you out or whatever, beat you up. But if this is a brother or sister in Christ who's caught up in a sin that's leading them away from Christ, then it may be, in fact, probably it is, especially if you're the one that's most aware of it, that you are the person to go and deal with it. Don't think that someone else will deal with it. Don't think it's only for the church leadership. No, we are all responsible for our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. If you're in a position to 
help this person by approaching them gently. If there's someone that may listen to you because you have a relationship with them and you're aware of this problem, then you deal with it. You are the person to deal with it. But fifthly, you need to ask, is this a problem for me? It's very easy, isn't it, to see other people's sins, where other people are going wrong, but it's often harder to see where we're going wrong. When you see someone else doing something wrong, first ask yourself, is that similar to something that I'm caught up in? Have I not seen that for myself? Jesus says, doesn't he, in Matthew 7, first take the log out of your own eye before you deal with a speck in your brother's eye. It may be that seeing a sin in someone else is not a point where you go and approach them about that and help them, but actually a point where you see the problem in you and God wants to deal with you first. Well, there are five questions to get in place before we come to what Jesus says here. Um, and I think it's helpful to, to see the context of what we're looking at. But, but once we've asked those questions, and once it's clear that we are the person to deal with this, that this is a sin, that it is damaging them, that it's not a danger to others, that um, it's not a big problem for you, then actually you need to deal with it. But how do you deal with it? Well, firstly, Jesus says, approach them one-to-one. Remember, it's got to be done in private. And if you approach people in private with the hope of winning them, with a spirit of gentleness, with an attitude of wanting to love them and care for them, then you're very likely to win them over. And it'll be a blessing and a joy to see their salvation. And if you don't win them over just with your words, then Jesus says take other people with you. Well, before you take other people that you know living now, why not take people that he was talking to then, that the apostles take God's word to them and show them from God's word where it says that they're going wrong. This assumes, of course, that it is a sin, going back to point one, and you know that from the Bible, but if you can show them from the Bible, then again, that may help to persuade them and help to see that their sin is serious and it matters. And if, won't, if they won't just listen to you, then Jesus says, bring others with you. Take one or two with you. The hope here is that as, as they see that actually it's not just you, it's not just your interpretation of the Bible, but it, it's, it's a wider group of people are, are willing to say to them, this is something wrong, then they'll respond. This is all about trying to help them out of their sin back into salvation. So take others with you, but not too many. Here's a tension, isn't it, between um, the principle of two or three and the principle of one to one. There's a tension between them, so Jesus says, step it up slowly. Start by one to one, then go one to two. And, and if they won't even listen to one to two, well, then you may have to bring in the wider church. Maybe you need to bring in, probably not get in front of a big meeting, but bring in some representatives of the wider church, some leaders, um, to show them that this is really an issue they need to deal with. This is not just about a small group, it's about the whole church, clear that this is a sin that needs, that needs sorting out, that matters. And we don't want to get to stage 10, because the whole aim of this is to save our brother or sister. But if they won't listen to the church even, then Jesus says, treat them like a tax collector or a Gentile. In other words, treat them like they're not a Christian. Treat them like they're not part of the people of God. Even this, in a way, is to show them clearly that they're in danger. The hope is that they miss being part of the people of God, and so they repent and they turn. 
Jesus is very clear, wasn't he? Tax collectors and Gentiles can become Christians. So the hope is that this person, although refusing to accept that they're going away from the church and sinning, will, even by being rejected by the church, eventually realise that they need to come back and know forgiveness. The hand of forgiveness must always be ready and open for them to return like a prodigal son. A 10-step guide. I hope, I hope it's not, you're don't, not too fraught by the 10 steps. I hope you see that they're just practical common sense in many ways, trying to follow those principles. Um, those principles of um, secret service, we try and do it as privately as possible. But we do it in the context of community. It's not just about me, it's about the wider authority of the community. We do it most of all for Christian profit. We want to win our brother or sister back to Christ. We want to win them to have that eternal salvation. We do it out of love. We do it out of concern. We do it for them. And that's the most important and fundamental principle we must keep in place. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your words to us. Help us to be wise in all of this, to, um, to follow Jesus' teaching, to, to love our fellow Christians as you love them, as Jesus gave up his life for them. That when we see people caught in sin, we will want to bring them out of that. We will want to rescue them as a lost sheep and bring them back to the fold, that they may know your salvation both now and forevermore. Amen.